you're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Chris Dantuano with Currency Cloud. And today I'm excited to have Wesley Wright from Varo Money. Wesley, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, it's really good to have you on today. So just for our listeners, Varo is a bank here in the States, really breaking ground to be able to bring their banking services to the traditionally, I guess, underbanked. But I'll let Wesley here explain you know, their, their value props here in the market. Wesley is the, the CEO and started uh, one of the first employees for Varo back in uh, early 2016. So Wesley, if you could just start off with the background for our listeners and we can kick things off. Sure. So, uh, so Chris, I joined Varo in uh, 2016 after uh, many years uh, at American Express and before that some time in consulting in a, a B2B you know, marketplace startup in the, in the late. When I was at American Express, I worked in the, uh, the digital payments unit focused on financial inclusion products, in particular, a, uh, a prepaid card that we launched to be sold in Walmart stores as an alternative to bank accounts for Walmart customers. And so that introduced me to this this whole world where basically, you know, you could see that like more Americans lack access to affordable financial services than they do access to affordable healthcare, which, you know, which which says something and certainly said something back in in 2012 when we got started. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, the big banks charge a lot of fees, have products that don't work really well unless you're fairly affluent. And they have, uh, you know, large cost structures, you know, branch networks, legacy technology, which makes it hard for them to adjust their, their models, especially around fees. So when I got the opportunity to join up with uh, Varro's uh, founder, Colin Walsh, whom I'd worked with at American Express, uh, but not, not closely because he'd been over in Europe. And, you know, we got to talking about his vision of creating a new bank that would look to you know bring affordable services, affordable financial services to a broad range of Americans, and really leveraging technology to do it. I got pretty excited because I also think that you know while while we did a lot of great stuff at American Express, you can often be more disruptive when you're coming out of a uh, you know a startup situation where you don't have other parts of the business or quarterly earnings to be concerned about as you're uh, you're innovating. So. So I signed up and uh, our, our vision then was to launch Faro with a uh, sponsor bank behind us to help us get to the market quickly. And we chose the Bancorp Bank and they've been a fantastic partner helping us uh, grow to uh, over a million accounts since 2016. But it also was always part of our vision to go after a national banking charter, you know, regulated by the OCC with our own FDIC insurance to be the first of the U.S. challenger banks to accomplish that. And we think that that can then put us in a footing. That's something that we're, we're well down the path towards doing. And that, that, we think, will put us on a really strong footing to then to, to both innovate, but also to have a very strong, sustainable, um, long-term business model and a path to, uh, to very attractive profits and returns for our investors you know, through some of the advantages we get by having our own charter. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And if not the first, I mean, you guys started into this sponsor bank type of model really early on here in the U.S. challenger bank landscape. And now we're starting to see you know, a, a lot of different banks maybe take this approach as well and start to, to transition into this, I guess, bottom layer of core and then having the, you know, the technology brands really leverage their own brands uh, on, on top of them. And now starting to make waves, I guess, within you know, the space of, of the charter and really breaking ground that way, being the first to do that. I think what, from, from the outside looking in, and we touched, you know, on this earlier, but, you know, your vision, Isvaro's vision to start was really providing full banking, you know, solutions where traditionally now it's really starting with one product. Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, that, that planning and really going out to market to really capture that paycheck rather than starting maybe with just a lending product and then transitioning and how that differentiates with you know within just starting with one product and trying to capture the paycheck that way. Yeah, no, definitely. Because I think I think look in in the world of banking, the core relationship, the most important relationship that you look to have is to get a customer to trust you enough to say, you know, I'm going to deposit my paycheck with you, you know, every week, every two weeks, and then use you for all my expenses, and then use you for my savings and all those those sorts of things. And you know that core relationship is really hard to establish. You have to do a lot to earn customers' trust. But once you have it, you've got a trusted long-term relationship, which is very sticky and which provides the opportunity to then offer them you know value-added services that meet their needs. So basically to cross-sell other other types of products. That's very different, actually, than starting with another solution, such as lending or a credit card or an investing solution, and try to move backwards into that core banking relationship. You, you don't see that happen that often. Customers tend to sort of compartmentalize these different offerings. So we thought it was very important, given the importance of that core direct deposit relationship, that we base our, our whole business and our focus around that. We spent a lot of time, you know, learning the business and learning how to serve the customers and, and all the edge cases that they would present, you know, at a smaller scale and then kind of fine tuning it before we then added in an Android app. We started out with an iPhone app. We added an Android app at the beginning of, of this year and then just have seen huge, huge growth since then. Yeah. And, and you know, you touched on the key points, but and this might go without saying, but obviously, you know, the, the traditional banking products just aren't comparable to, you know, other products within apps and things like that. So obviously you guys bringing an app to market, both in, in the uh, iOS and, and Android is a differentiator for the end customer and their experience. But then again, the di- you know, for you guys, you still do focus on that human relationship as well, which might differentiate with some of the competitors out there. You know, I, I guess the first piece to that is what did you guys see that you wanted to keep both of those you know, as far as that innovation and human touch that differentiates, I guess, yourselves within the market to that end customer. Yeah. So I think, look, we're we're very committed to our customer. You know, we are really trying to help them, you know, achieve their financial goals, manage their finances more effectively. And we want to provide them with the tools to do that. So what we realized is you do that through a mix of, you know, having great technology and great automated solutions to help customers. But you also need to back that up with a human being who can, you know, an an empathetic human being who can have a conversation with them and help them out when they need to talk to a person. So, you know, we have created solutions that our customers love, such as 
early direct deposit where, you know, if your payroll, your employer's payroll company will send the uh, deposit in, usually they send it in one or two days before the pay date. We'll give it to you as soon as we get it. We don't hold on to it. We have automatic savings tools, kind of a set it and forget it for savings. So you can set a percentage of your paycheck. You know, you could be 1%, 5%, 10%, whatever you want. Or we can do a save your change approach where we basically, you know, if you buy something for, you know, $2.80, we'll, you know, we'll move 20 cents of your own money to savings. And customers love that because it kind of like it, it, they save and they don't even don't even notice that they're saving. They, they, they like that type of, of tool. You know, we set up a lot of alert to allow people to get, you know, get push notifications when they uh, do transactions. So, so we've set up a lot of those tools from a technological perspective. But we thought it was very important as well to build up our own customer service center. We've, we've based ours in the, uh, the Salt Lake City, Utah area, where we have, you know, we, we really try to, you know, hire folks with a high degree of empathy and, you know, really who want to solve customers' problems. And then as we worked and kind of built our business at a smaller scale, we learned about the types of challenges that customers had and came up with solutions for those problems so that they could get quick resolutions when they called us. Because what we learned especially is that customers who live paycheck to paycheck get very concerned about cash flow. And so things that, that a more affluent person might not worry about, you know, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you know, if, if $50 gets held up by a merchant or at a hotel because they put a hold on your, your car while you checked in or whatever, that's a huge deal. So we needed to come up with solutions to help people through those types of situations. That touches on, I guess, my the, the next question. And I guess we, we touched on this a little bit earlier as well. So that brings up the point where obviously there's, there's, there's products internally that you can listen to your customers and you build, you know, build around that. And then you also have, I, I would believe, you know, some strategic partners um, that you guys d- decide to partner up with and, and have uh, you know that that type of experience. So I guess in, in your role specifically, how do you make those decisions of products that you're going to determine to invest internally to build on and, and use that time and efforts um, to build your own product, and then vice versa, you know, u- utilizing uh, a partner's product and tying a, a strategic partnership together? How do you specifically in your role? How do you determine you know, which lane to take? Yeah, so we partner with a lot of companies, as do as do many banks and financial services providers. I think the approach that we take is that, you know, we want to own the customer experience. We control that experience through the app, we control that experience through our customer service agents, and we we control the experience around the data and how we use data to give the customers information that can can help them achieve their goals. So so all of those things we we want to you know, own and control and, and build all of those things ourselves. But there are other things that doesn't that they don't where it doesn't make as much sense for us to do those things uh, internally. So so one would be you know very like basic sort of commodity processes at scale, uh, such as you know authorizing debit card transactions, or or even as we go to market, as we went to market, I mentioned earlier, we partnered with the Bancorp Bank, so they provided all the services we needed to to offer bank accounts to customers. And, uh, you know, they, they basically give us access to their charter to do that. There are other types of partners, especially like in the risk space where, 
they're companies that have solutions which benefit from many different banks and e-commerce companies that use their solutions. So they capture data from a lot of different sources. We're, there's no one player like ourselves that would be at the scale to kind of capture that information that their consortium model brings. So, so those mm-hmm. players just bring value that we can't create ourselves. So I think those are kind of the main um, sort of guiding principles we use in deciding sort of where to build something ourselves versus where to partner. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously for you and you in your journey, as you guys are going down this national charter initiative for yourselves, how do you think that changes, I guess, just the landscape as far as a whole in the challenger bank model here in the States? Obviously today you must be backed by, by some sort of charter through a, a sponsor bank traditionally. But I guess for you guys to be maybe that first that first challenger bank to make the leap, uh, how do you think that changes just the landscape itself here in the U.S. as far as a challenger bank perspective? Yeah. Now look, I mean, we think that the, the sponsor bank model is a great model if you're looking to get to market quickly with some sort of a banking service. And, you know, you know if, if you're trying to offer that banking service like to a specific audience, they might be a bit more narrow. But, but our belief is that at some point as we get to scale, it makes sense for us to pursue our own charter and, and have that capability uh, in-house. It, it really will change you know, how we can do business and what we can offer to our customer. One thing is just it, it'll expand the range of products that we can offer. So you know, right now, if you use a sponsor bank, you, you know, you can offer the types of uh, products that make sense for a wide range of their customers. So an example would be like, we can offer a checking account, we can offer a savings account, but you don't see sponsor banks offering CDs. But if we want to offer our customers CDs, we don't really have a way to do that. And so having our own charter will let us expand into a full range of offerings. So, you know, all the deposit products, including CDs, a wide range of lending products. It gives us the ability to access investment products as well. And then we own the customer relationship in its totality and can provide kind of a 360 view of the customer because we see all the data. It's not a portion between you know, a, a sponsor bank partner who supports us on deposits versus, say, another sponsor bank partner who would support us on lending products. We, we see all of that data in one place, and then we can leverage that data to bring better solutions to our customers. So we yeah. think it can really yeah, make a difference in sort of what we can do for our customers and how we can serve. And do you think for, I mean, I guess for internally, does it have, is there much that has to change uh, for you guys internally to be able to just take on that, that risk and take on that journey for your product itself comparable to using a sponsor bank? Is there a lot of shifts that have to happen or is it just the, the natural maturity of, of your business and bringing on the right talent to be able to I guess, own that, that side of the business. Yeah. No, there are a number of really important things that the sponsor banks do. And so with our own charter, we have to take on those things ourselves. So it, it basically relates to all of your risk management and governance capabilities as a bank. You have to do you know, your own monitoring of transactions for, uh, uh, to prevent money laundering, as an example. Sponsor banks typically provide approvals for all the marketing materials that go out into the public because it's their their bank license. You know, they're the bank behind the product to the customer. So we have to build up our own, you know, marketing compliance, marketing approval functions. So, you know, so basically sort of all the elements of compliance risk management, we have to take that on ourselves. But as you get bigger, 
and you're at scale, even if you're as a, as a fintech kind of operating with a sponsor bank, you have a lot of reputation risk at stake. So you want to build up those capabilities anyway, right? You, you want to be ensuring that you're, you're compliant and everywhere that you need to be a client. So, you know, we, we basically, you know, borrow is kind of a team where half of us come from, you know, banking and financial services, half of us come from Silicon Valley and the, the tech and design and product arena. And so we have a set of folks that are very comfortable with the risk management that's involved with, with operating a nationally chartered bank. Yeah, it's a really key piece there. And, and I think, as you mentioned, even though you do have that sponsor bank in the background, these are tools and, and resources that, as the program, you, you need to have anyway, right? And so it's, it, it's using that to scale and perfecting that as the program itself. And we're seeing that as we partner with many of the programs here is that those need to be in place. And, and, and if they're not, then you're not going to be credible within the market itself as well. Um, so that's a you know, really key piece. And, and obviously for you guys, it's been really successful in doing so. Well, Wesley, it was really good to have you on today. Uh, for interest for our, our listeners, if they're interested in partnering with you guys, what is the best way to get in contact with either yourself or your team over at Varro? Say uh, people could feel free to reach out to me at uh, Wesley at VarroMoney.com. And I could then pass that along to, uh, to other folks on our team, you know, depending on the specific type of partnership. Yeah, that sounds really good. Well, like I said, it was a really pleasure to have you on. Some really good information for our listeners today. And, uh, you know, really looking forward to see uh, Varo and your journey over the next years and, and, and getting that charter and, you know, really breaking ground into this new space uh, for yourself and your product. Great. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Wesley. Take care. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.